Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Up next, I'm super excited to introduce Zoe Hickel, who is a Team USA gold medalist and professional ice hockey player. She came fresh off a season as an assistant coach with the Ohio State Buckeyes, who just secured a national championship this last April. I'm super excited to have my very first ice hockey player on Write It Down. She is incredible. She's traveled the entire world playing the sport she loves. I also always love having some gal pal time here on the show. So I'm excited to share her story. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. I'm excited to welcome my very first ice hockey player, Zoe Hickel. Thank you so much for joining us on Write It Down. Thank you. Happy to be here. I have not dabbled enough in ice hockey or hockey at all uh, with interviews or even watching. I think I've been to like one game in my entire life. And so I'm just super excited to have you on here um, to educate the audience, to educate me, to talk about your passion. You grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. We could start there. Uh, How is it living life over there? Is hockey like the main thing? Is that what everybody does um, during their winters? (laughs) Like what, what does life in Alaska look like? Um, yes, very similar to Canada in that demographic, but, um, yeah, I I grew up, whether it was in the summer on the streets, you know, playing with your buddies or in the winters, a lot of elementary schools, middle schools and high school all have outdoor rinks associated. So, um, lots of time on ice. And then of course, with our club and travel teams growing up, but very popular sport in Alaska. Okay. So what do you learn first? Do you learn how to skate first or do you learn, um, how to shoot a hockey puck? Definitely skating. Okay. Yeah. I gotta get on the ice. I guess it depends. Like if you do yeah, floor hockey or something first. Mm-hmm. But with ice hockey, if you can't skate, then it's going to be trouble. <laughs> You're going to be in trouble. <laughs> I can only, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. So, life growing up, did you have a lot of siblings? Were you, were you the star athlete of the family? Like, what did life look like growing up in your home? Uh, I had a younger sister too, Tori. Um, she went off and played division one college hockey too at Northeastern. So we grew up, I I never played with her until we were in high school. We went to a hockey Academy in Vermont called Naha North American hockey Academy. Um, but yeah, growing up, like we both played on boys teams and it wasn't as big of a population for girls in our area. So we played boys growing up and, and then we got to play together in high school, separate a little bit in college and then came back and played some professional years together too. So very close with my sister. And I think the two of us had a little competitive edge that always kept us going in the, you know, in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a backup plan or was hockey your, like your plan a, like you had nothing else that was like taking up brain space when you were in high school and in college? Not really. I, yeah, definitely majored in hockey. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, like, let's dive a little bit into that. So when it comes to sports, I mean, I was an athlete in high school. I didn't play in college, wasn't fast enough um, or big enough to play college so- collegiate soccer. And uh, but there, there's something that happens when your whole life is centered around travel sports or sports in general. You know, every every day when you get off school, you're going to high school practice. Then you go to club afterwards. Then you come home. Then you do your homework. Then you repeat. You know, then you turn 18 and you're kind of 
what I like to say, pooped out into society, so to speak. And mm-hmm. you're having to make some decisions for you. You had to make um, decisions of where you wanted to play hockey. So what was life like then? And if anybody is listening, that's like, you know, in the 18 to 22 year old range, what would you kind of tell them when it comes to their passion, but also being aware that they might not make it? So what does that look like for Zoe? Yeah, sure. I see what you mean about like the, you know, having a different game plan or a backup plan, but I, I think I was, I was very motivated and driven at that age and, um, was lucky enough to have, like, I, I played for the U18 national team too. And so I had some success early on, uh, nationally and was able to get recruited from college coaches to understand that I would have those options. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you have to be realistic with yourself and being on the other side of it, just being a coach in college, you know, for division one at Ohio state, um, and recruiting these kids, um, you know, you're talking to them and their parents and you're trying to persuade them to come to your school or educate them on what you want, but I forgot how young I was. You know, when I'm on the other side of it and now I'm talking to them and it's like some of the things that I thought were important at that age, you know, 15, 16 years old are so different now, like looking and, you know, like places that provide a great education and, you know, putting effort in and understanding that it's, it's going to a school that's going to fit your next 40 years, not just your next four years. And Mm -hmm. Um, just having a, a big perspective and doing your homework to know that maybe it's not division one, but you have an opportunity to play division three at a school that you can play a lot and get a great education and, you know, be very successful in whatever career you want to do afterwards. Or, you know, maybe it's a division one club program and you right. get to play hockey for fun and really focus on your education and, and there's different grants and scholarships out there for all kinds of ways to be able to enjoy the sport in college. So Mm -hmm. I think understanding yourself and understanding, you know, where you want to go and doing everything you can at those ages to, to give yourself the best success as you go through college and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. And so when it came to your selection process, what did that, I know that was, you know, over 10 years ago, but what was that process like for you with your different prospects? Because you did have success early on. So what made you pick the college that you went to? And then at what point were, or were there points, I guess, within your college career that you're like, dang, what am I doing? Like the mental breakdown part, because it's 80% mental, a lot with sports, you know, it's that it is 20% craft and skill, but then it's that 80% mental, just like with anything. And we'll, we'll dive into about our running game. Cause I know you're a runner here and there, but that's mental as well. So what yeah. would you say that selection process was like, and then, and like kind of combating the like anxiety of, of all of it? Well, like you said, even in high school, I feel like you go to school and you have your after school program, then you have your club sport, you got to do homework, got to fit it all in. And when you go to college, you have to be able to do that with less structure and really sort out your priorities. And so, you know, you have school, your sport and social and I can't remember what coaches told me this in the past, but it's like you can only really do two of them well. So you have to decide where you want to put your time and energy, because if not, you're going to get it, it'll overcome you. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's a learning process along the way, but uh, I guess to go back to the original question of how did I decide that I went to Minnesota Duluth and I read like now looking back, 
I'm actually working with my coach at the time. That's so, so cool. Full after circle. All yeah. Years, yeah. We're working together again here in Coachella Valley, but, uh, she was like a very big, if not the biggest reason of wanting to go to Duluth other than Minnesota and, you know, Duluth feeling like home. Yeah. But Anna Miller was five time national champion, you know, coach and, um, had an, a phenomenal program that really included a lot of diversity and uh, people from all over the world that came to play for her. So um, it was really fun playing for her. I absolutely loved it. She pushed me to all kinds of levels and yeah. personally and, you know, as an athlete. And so it's a, it's really fun to see that now like coming full circle and getting to work with her again and our relationships have built and, changed along the ways. Yeah. And now it's like your colleagues and you're not her, you know, her player anymore. And like, that's a cool part too, is to see somebody I'm sure for her to be able to look Mm -hmm. at you and was like, she invested so much time and energy into you as a person and for your team. And now you're fast forwarding and you're like, Whoa, I get to now run alongside of her, um, with the sport that I love and educating more people about it. So that, that's got to be super neat for for her, for sure, and for you. Let's chat a little bit about the U.S. Women's National Team. What was that like for you and that process of being on that team and all the travel? You got to go to China. You've you've been all over Sweden. You've you've gotten to do. You've gotten to not only play your sport and and play it well. Obviously, you're a legend, but you got to travel and do it. And that's just a whole nother ball game to be able to travel internationally for that. So, what was that season of life like for you? Oh man. Okay. Well, some of that was integrated with the national team, but some of it was just with our professional teams that Mm -hmm. we play, you know, on the side, similar to college. And then with the national team, the way it is now, you only come together for certain camps and tournaments. Um, we had one year, we got to go to Sweden, Sunsville, Sweden for a four nations tournament. And we actually went back there in Malmo for world championships in 2015 when, when we won a world championship there. But, um, yeah, I think traveling and I think even more so playing for those teams like in China and in Sweden and actually living in those countries were that much, you know, it wasn't just like being a guest in for yeah. a tournament there. But um, yeah, after I got cut from the 2018 Olympic team, I decided to play for China um, they were starting their program for the next quad for the next four years, which they just played in Beijing. And, uh, I thought it was fake. Like I thought I got a fake text message from someone yeah. saying we'll you this amount of money to come play in China. <laughs> like, yeah. Text yes. If you want to confirm text, yeah, no, if you want exactly. to stop receiving. Yeah. 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 Why or in. Yeah. 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 And, and I, but I knew who the person was who contacted me. And so, yeah, like I, I looked into it and one of my good friends, um, Kelly Stack, who is also a two-time Olympian, well, we ended up being in similar situation and we're like, all right, let's do this. And then there were some others from the team that, that came over too, but they hired us as sports ambassadors for not just the Chinese national team, but also with their community and grassroots and to be able to share our knowledge of the game with them and we lived in uh, Shenzhen, China. I'm probably saying that wrong, but hey, um, I wouldn't know the difference. So it borders, <laughs> it borders Hong Kong. It sounds great. The way that you just said that, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, it's Southern. It's like, you know, right, right above Vietnam. So it was beautiful, great weather. We would walk to the rink and back home and along the way we'd pass some of these construction sites and little, you know, shops and whatnot. And there's of course dogs around. I ended up bringing a dog home. Her name is Nycha, which means bubble tea. Well, it's like neo Nycha is milk tea, you know, the, Uh, the tea with like little bobas in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you brought this dog home from China. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have got to share that story with us. That is unreal. Yeah. That was quite the adventure, but it's little things like that. that, (laughs) You you just picked, like picked this dog off the street and brought it home. It was a, it is a little bit of a story. We, when we got there in August, there was a dog and her name was Wansai apparently. Okay. This guy who was, a security guard for this construction site that we would walk by, we'd go by and we'd like give her food. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have done that. But he's like, yeah, like, thank you so much. Cause he can't afford to like feed himself right. and dog. And we had some of our Chinese teammates tell us about that. And, you know, they, they would kind of like help. Yeah. Communicate. Yeah, of course. It was just so crazy because the English doesn't really exist in some of those areas. But yeah, and then you know he was at some at one point saying like you can take her home. Like, do you want to have her? And like, I can't do it until after the season, but I will after the season. So this is like November, and then December happens. We come home after winter break, and she's pregnant. And this dog was like six months old. Once I was six months old. Yeah, pregnant and, at six months. Mm-hmm. Like she had just probably been like seven or eight months old. Oh my gosh! Like she was a real, real puppy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows how old she actually was? But yeah, but that still, was like, apparently how old she was. Yeah, and so she was pregnant. I'm like, well, can't bring this dog home to Alaska now. What, yeah, like what am I supposed to do with this? And so they have the babies in February, February 21st. And he's sending me pictures. We can WeChat. He's sending me pictures of it happening. And then me and like five others of us ended up taking the dogs home. Oh. I was the first to do it. And so in for the month of May, we actually had to quarantine them, find the ways to get them their shots. It, they made it seem like it was impossible to do, but yeah. Um, we were out of season and just doing some camps. And so it was almost like a little side project. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. Like a rescue mission. So what year is this? This was in 2018. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. So uh, I, I didn't know. Cause you had said quarantine. I didn't know if it was around pandemic okay. time frame. Okay. Got it. Got it. It was 2018, 2018. And, but yeah, they had to get like rabies quarantine. Yeah. Okay. Before coming from wow. China. You lived, you have lived quite the life. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. 
That's incredible. And so then you fast forward into this season where you work um, with the Ohio State Buckeyes. So tell us a little bit about that. That's incredible. NCAA championship. And you got to be a part of that. So that has to be surreal for you to be able to, again, pour into that next generation of collegiate athletes coming up. But then also playing against your alma mater. Like, whoa, like, please Tell us a little bit about that. That's got to be unreal. Oh, it's he, yes, all of it. Like now that you're bringing up like little things that it's so this whole spring really has gone by so fast. And like with the transition of taking a new job, a new position. Yeah. Um, but my time at Ohio State and Columbus with the Buckeyes was unbelievable. I absolutely loved the people, like the institution, the tradition of excellence, everything that they represent, like from the football team yeah. all the way through their academics and all of their sports who are our division one programs and all strive to be at the top of the game. And um, so to be part of, you know, an institution that has that kind of expectation and support women's ice hockey hasn't always been there. Yeah. Um, you know, but Nadine Muzzerall, our head coach, um, I think it was her sixth season. She had done such a good job of developing the culture within that program and, um, you know, really going after the right resources in order for that team to be successful and making the most out of the resources at Ohio state, which is like second to none. Yeah. It was unbelievable going to, you know, playing for a school like Duluth, which is a, a division two school with division one hockey programs for men's and women's. Wow. Okay. And you're competing against yeah. a Penn school like Ohio state that has, you know, funding. We've got chartered flights. We got meals and hotels and stuff that is way above and beyond our yeah. recruiting yeah. budget. All of that is just untouchable compared to a school like Duluth. And, but we're competing in the WCHA, um, because of women's ice hockey, not having as many teams. Okay. Um, it's like a combination of some of those schools in Minnesota plus Wisconsin, Minnesota and Ohio state. Um, so it's, it's a mix. They're not all big 10 schools. Yeah. But still to be able to, to play, I mean, it's just crazy. I feel like there's a lot of little nuggets in your life that are full circle for you. And it's just really neat yeah. that you you get to, again, coach at this Big Ten school. You know, I'm not an Ohio State fan. I'm a Florida Gator, and that's okay. That's this is a safe it. place <laughs> for all collegiate sports. Um, but anyways, I I think it's, again, like you here, even in Florida, you go walk the beach and there's someone in an Ohio State T-shirt. It's like, oh, age Oh, it's like they have this thing and you're just like, it's real. I mean, but I can't imagine again, like being on the sidelines for, for, um, a women's hockey team and then you're winning this NCAA championship and then you've already lived such an enriched life with women's hockey. And so now you're probably sitting on this other side as a coach being like, wow. And little did you know, you know, that you were going to come into this next chapter of your life and work alongside your old coach. So right. that's just pretty cool that you, you've gotten to experience hockey in such a unique way because, again, there's not a lot of, uh, like you said, women's hockey, team, hockey teams out there. And you're mm-hmm. getting to live this charmed life with this story with hockey, which is, which is super neat. And I know that there's probably more to come. When we connected before this um, the show, we talked a little bit about the Coachella Valley um, Firebirds, the affiliate of the Seattle Kraken. So why don't you share with us a little bit about 
leaving because you come from a high of Ohio State and now you're moving into this. Not that this isn't a high or this isn't a journey or an adventure in itself. So what made that transition possible and why did you jump ship to go to California? Oh, I know. That is such a loaded question and definitely was a it was a hard decision to make, especially mm-hmm. with you know, coming off that high from winning a national championship. But um, I was, you know, it, it was hard because I had a great relationship with our head coach and our ADs. And, um, you know, I know that they wanted me to stay too. And of course, leaving the girls, that's the hardest part I is leaving. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some of those conversations were some of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but I, my husband just finished at, at the Olympics, um, with the Canadian bobsled team, um, brought home a bronze medal for Canada, I guess. Yeah. He's he's doing all right. He's 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 a legend. (laughs) He's in a a bit of a, you know, a transition period deciding like what direction he wants to go in. And, um, this was something that you know, prior to going to Ohio state, I'm like, okay, you're going to finish out your, um, your Olympic season for the next couple of years. I'm going to go and do this. And as an assistant coach for a college team, you spend a lot of time on the road. You spend a lot of time at camps in the summer and, um, you know, with the team too. And so this was kind of a time that we could make a transition move for both of us together. Yeah. Um, you know, and you never know if it's going to be yeah. the right decision but so far it's been really well received by all the people in this community and there's tons of opportunity for him too yeah uh, but as we try to grow family and uh, figure out where where we want to be and do that yeah um, and put your roots down so how yeah. did you meet your husband what's the story of you and your your um, your Olympian husband he's a uh, He's, uh, he was in Calgary. He's Canadian. So he's from, uh, Toronto originally, but he was in Calgary. That's where their ice house is and where they're based out of Mm -hmm. for the bobsled team. And when I was playing there for the Calgary Inferno, which is the, was the women's professional team in the Canadian league. Um, we got connected with one of my other teammates that, that I played with on the national team. And she's like, this guy loves fishing and the outdoors and he likes to, you know, he likes fitness and all this stuff. I think you guys would really hit it off. <laughs> okay. And we did. the first time we met, we went fishing and my sister was with me too, you know, kept it very PG and group oriented. Very casual. And, Just see yes. where it goes. Well, you never know with setups. So it's better to keep it casual because when people are like, oh my gosh, I have a great guy for you and I it do. doesn't work out. It's like, thank you. Like I'm yeah. slightly insulted. So I'm glad it worked. I'm glad it worked out for you yeah. that you're able to have that. Um, I do have to ask, you said Canadian. Okay. I pick up on this when I watch HGTV. Do, does your husband say out instead of out? Like, he's is, not, you know, how the OU is like, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. He's not as bad when he's around his family, it gets worse, but they're not too bad. <laughs> Yeah, they do say weird things like, you know, if, if you want to take out something from the freezer for dinner that night, yeah. what would you say? Like, you want to take out the chicken, the chicken, yeah, from the freezer. And thought. they say, would you lift the chicken out of the freezer? I'm like, where are we lifting? Lifting. It? <laughs> okay, so it, okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, 
What? The li- lifting? You know, do you lift the meat out of the freezer? I'm like, oh my God, every time it gets me, I'm like, like what? what exactly are we lifting here? <laughs> yeah, no, lifting? I'm very perceptive to that. And I, I mean, it's very interesting, the different, the dialects that, because they speak, I mean, some speak French, but a lot speak English. And True. I feel like they, like some of the Canadians I've met, I'm like, you're making that up. You just made that up. But maybe they think we're making stuff up. That's what I think too. <laughs> it's like, you just totally made that up and you're running with it. But I, I respect the confidence that you have when you just said that, that entire sentence. Um, well, that's really neat. So are you guys, so what is your, um, what's your husband's work look like while you're out in California training the Firebirds? Well, right now he's actually going to, he's still training. He's still okay. in that mode, um, nice. deciding, but we are, he, he just got his interview for green card dates. So he just took okay. off back to Canada this morning, doing it through, through Montreal. So he's got to go do that. And we have some things to sort out, but we're waiting for that to get back. And then from there, um, deciding like what he's going to do next, but, cool. uh, He's got some options. Cool. Yeah. Some doors are opening for you both. So what would you personally like to see happen with ice hockey and specifically women's ice hockey? What is your dream and overall vision for women's ice hockey? Well, I think that it's, it's still going, it's still climbing. It's mm-hmm. still going in the right direction. It's getting some more, you know, notoriety and, um, media and coverage. And those are all things that are going to help just like they do with women's soccer and women's basketball. Um, and it's just not, the numbers aren't the same as those sports yet, but I think that the quality of the sport is growing and people are starting to see more of that every Olympics. You know, we just hope that, that those numbers can stick around more for the you know, we have the coverage to be able to do that on the years that aren't the Olympics and uh, a place to play for these women to have a sustainable league. And um, to be honest, I probably would have still played if there was something more in place, but I decided to go the coaching route when the pandemic hit and I felt like it was appropriate time in my life. But, yeah. um, you know, I'd love to see a sustainable league, a professional league that can be where all the best players are and, you know, maybe affiliates with NHL teams or however it's done, but that we have a place where, you know, we can really have a professional league for girls to dream and, and live up to and make a live and play in hockey. I think it would be amazing. Yeah, it would be. I think that's a really cool idea to uh, be an affiliate of an NHL team. I'm like, I mean, me and my, my brain, I'm like, why not? Let's just, <laughs> like, why hasn't that happened? That just makes complete and total sense. Trying. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a lot more than just me on write it down podcast saying, let's go. Come on. Like what, what you waiting for? And I know that's exactly what you advocate for and the people in your circle as well. Um, I do want to ask, um, a couple rapid fire questions before I get to our write it down. Just a little bit about Zoe here. If you had a lifetime sponsor, who would it be? Ooh, Ooh, I have to say the first thing that pops in my mind other than Yeti would be bubbly because I the, love bubbly. Me too. I, I, love I love them too. Some people yeah. think I'm a psychopath that I like carbonated water without really? flavor. I bring it to work all the time and it's oh like crisp. 
and it makes you feel good. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. No, I'm with you. When Bubbly came out, I was like, man, you are. Well, how do you, do you pronounce it LaCroix? The other, the other brand? I don't know. I, yeah. I say LaCroix, but some people I think say LaCroix and it doesn't sound right either. It's like they're making stuff up like Canada. But with Bubbly, I was like, when they came out, I was like, this is genius because it actually tastes like a soda without sweetener. So. Great choice. I'm with you on that. We'll see if we what we could do about that. As soon as we let Women's Ice Hockey become an affiliate to the NHL, we'll get Bubbly as your walking sponsor. Okay, if life had a soundtrack, what would your main theme song be? Oh, gosh. If my life had a soundtrack? Yeah. You know when things just pop in your head? <laughs> I, you just, you know, it just pops, you know, it just popped what? in my head. Ain't nothing gonna break up my stride. Ain't mm. nothing gonna stop that mm. one. I like I mean, it. Yes, I know exactly what that is. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a good I, one. I like that song. I and also it's, it's, love it's that that pause that you just did of like a. Mm. <laughs> like you know what I just thought of? I'm just gonna fight it off. I'm not gonna fight it. No, just let it happen. <laughs> just let it happen. We're just gonna let that go. Okay. This is something that I thought of the other day that I didn't realize I didn't think about until I thought about it. When you're washing dishes by hand, do you put mm-hmm. soap on the sponge or on the dish? Ooh, I do a little bit of both, but recently I've been doing it on the sponge. Yeah, I, I think I do sponge and then like the leftover drizzle. Yeah. I let you know, kind of just slide around. It just depends on how dirty the dish is. But these are certain things that I'm like, wow, I wonder if people think about this or is this just me because I need to wrap it That's a great idea. Right? Because I think I I picked it up from my husband because he does it. And he said something like, you don't waste as much soap if you do it like this. So I said, oh, well, good. You can do the dishes. (laughs) Since you're onto something, this could be what you do. So I wanted to, to bring this background because I did want to ask you this throughout our interview, but just um, for time's sake, a little bit, this isn't really rapid fire, but you can say as fast as you want. You're marathon running. You run a marathon over the summers. What? Don't you, right? The Alaska Marathon? Oh, Mount Marathon. Yes. Oh, oh it's a, a mount. It's a mountain and it's only a 5K. It's okay. New- misleading but because I still- thought I was like wait you run a marathon because it said the Mount Marathon like when I, I was like oh my gosh yeah. this chick is a beast okay so it's a 5k on a mountain yeah called Mount I mean, Mar- it's, wow it's crazy it's like it's for hard- crazy people for sure but like once you're in it if you don't do it then you lose your spot so you like have to do it otherwise oh can I come run that with you? Because I'm a, I am love, I'm a glutton for punishment when it comes to running. I literally am going to run a marathon. I'm running the Chicago Marathon in October. And I'm super excited. Thank you. I'm excited. But when I see that, like, my guests or people in my life do running or, like, apparently Mount Marathon that's only a 5K, they should change the mountain to 5K. But anyways, yeah. I was just saying, that's incredible because that – I want to do that. I want to go to Alaska and run that. So I'm going to put that in there. All right. We are yeah. at that point of the show where I ask each guest to give the audience something to write down. So Zoe Hickle, what is your write it down? My write it down would probably go off a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. 
And that is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And it can be related in any situation. But I've found that over the years, I've been in different situations many times over and over again, where I have to reestablish myself and build relationships. And whether that's as a teammate, um, as a leader, as a captain, as a coach, or, you know, as a, as a newcomer in the office, Mm -hmm. you really are just coaching kids out here at the street hockey for the first time, teaching them how to hold a hockey stick. Like they, you really have to find ways to connect with the people around you in order to break through. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one that I've had to remind myself at times, especially when things can be overwhelming is just to keep it simple, get to know the people around you and then, you know, your skills and success will follow. Yeah, absolutely. People want to feel loved and they want to feel seen. And Mm -hmm. we know we want that. So it's kind of like doing that for others before they do it for you. So Zoe Hickel, thank you so much for joining Write It Down. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.